Happy New Year, everyone. In our first episode of 2023, Marcus and I are going to talk about all of the disruption that is happening in the world today, from the war in Ukraine, to the economy, to the emergence of AI. And we're going to give you some top tips on how to navigate this uncertainty, get comfortable with this complexity, and thrive in this VUCA world that we all live in. Welcome to The Thinking Leader, brought to you by Red Team Thinking. Bad leaders react, good leaders plan, and great leaders think. Each week, you'll get new ideas and insights from business executives, military experts, and innovative thought leaders to help you lead more effectively and better navigate your complex world. Now, here are your hosts, best-selling business author and top-rated leadership speaker, Bryce Hoffman, and former RAF Wing Commander and Business Agility Coach, Marcus Dimbleby. Welcome to The Thinking Leader, and a happy 2023 to you, Bryce, my friend. We survived last year, and we're here for another one. Happy New Year, Marcus. It is great to see you, great to be back from our well-earned break for the holidays. And wow, yeah, 2023. I know, right? Great to have that break, but I'm excited to get back into this. What have we got to look ahead towards in 2023, do you think? What don't we have to look ahead towards in 2023? Um, there's so much going on. And you know, know. Th- this, is, this is a great time to talk about this because right now a lot of folks are, are, are I hope, starting to think about their plans for their businesses, for their organizations, for their teams, for their lives for the coming year. It's a time when people are more reflective and do a little bit more thinking, which is good. The challenge is that you've got to, you've got to look at the future without rose-colored glasses. We have a lot of disruption still to come. The last three years have been tough for a lot of people, but the next coming year is going to be tough for a lot more people. We've got the war in Ukraine, which continues and is going to continue to have ever-widening mm-hmm. ripples on the rest of the world. We've got the economy, which is is impacted by that, but is also being impacted by other things as well, which is becoming increasingly stressed in a lot of countries. We've got global supply chain issues, which remain a major problem and affect all of us. We've got new technologies emerging, most notably AI really coming to its own now and beginning to have a real impact on the real world in real time, not just on a theoretical level that is of interest to futurists only. And let's not forget that the pandemic is not over. You know, right here in, in, in where I am in California, we've still got hospitals full. Now it's not just COVID, it's COVID, the flu, and, and respiratory uh, virus as well. So there's a lot of challenges, a lot of issues that folks are going to have to incorporate into their calculus as they think about the year ahead. There, there is indeed. And I know at this time of year, people are often reflective of what's gone in the past, which is rightly so, but we've got to use that reflection to really understand how we look ahead and we future-proof ourselves. Because if we'd have sat here this time last year and the year before, oh man, COVID, how could it possibly get any worse? Boom, and then it does. Again, what's going to get worse this year? How can we future-proof ourselves, our families, our workplaces? 
Because again, also understanding what's changed because of what's gone. And we talk about now looking right. at the return to office for the workplace, looking at working from home. And there's still that big clash of perspectives going on from that. So all of these different ways of working and different ways of living are very much now in the evolutionary stage because of what has gone on and what isn't likely to change. As you said, that list you reeled off, that's not going to go away anytime soon. And there's going to be a lot more things probably added to that as that thing moves forward and we all start to go ahead together during 2023, I think. Well, and, and you make a good point there. And it makes me think about something that a good friend of mine who was on the board of one of the largest companies in the world said to me early in the days of the pandemic, back in spring of 2020. We were chatting and I asked him, how's your company thinking about, how are you preparing for the pandemic? What is your thought process like on the pandemic? And this, again, this was spring of 2020. And he laughed. And he said, we, we're, we're way beyond looking at how to prepare for the pandemic. That We're dealing with the pandemic as best mm -hmm. we can. It's not much we can do to prepare for it at this point. He said, what we're focused on in terms of looking forward is not this crisis, but the crisis that comes from this crisis. And the crisis that comes exactly. from that crisis. The domino effect of all of these things. The crisis that comes yeah. from that crisis. Yeah. And he said, he said, I'll be honest with you. He said, when we look at the future, not just next year or five years from now or 10 years from now, but we look out 20, 30 years from what's happened right now. And, and it gave me chills when he said this, Marcus. He said, you could snap your fingers and have COVID disappear right now. But the dominoes, to your point, the dominoes that have already been toppled, they're going to fall anyways, and they're going to knock down other dominoes. And he said, we see looking over that horizon of 10, 20, 30 years, a series of crises that we're going to have to deal with one after another. There's not going to be a respite. There's not going to be, we're not going to come out of this trough and to, to, to borrow a Churchillism, you know, the bright sunlit uplands at yeah. the end of the war. We're going to have to be dealing with the consequences of this for a very long time. You know, he's not wrong. Absolutely. And added to that, what we've seen through what's happened, I think, is a definite, and certainly in the West, is a polarization of people, of people's beliefs, of opinions. So what we normally need is strong alignment to get through these crises. And if you don't have that alignment, it makes it even harder to get through them because those polar beliefs create even more problems within. You'll get a, a mini crisis within the bigger crises. And we're seeing that consistently happening, especially in the UK and the US. We seem to be leading on the news front of, you know, quite embarrassing behaviors on that. But within all of this, one of the things that I, I sort of help and talk to clients about is, yes, there are many threats out there, but don't let those threats get you heads down, worried about just those threats. Right. Because just surviving those threats doesn't mean you will survive and thrive. What you have to do, and we've seen this in the past with some great leaders, is seek out the opportunities. Absolutely. Because while everybody's heads down, if your head's up looking, you're going to see those opportunities as they arise, as they manifest. And if you grab them and seize them and make the most of them, that's what's going to, A, counter the potential threats you're facing, but also is going to surge you, your company, your business, whatever it is you're doing, ahead of the crowd because most people aren't doing that. You're so right, Marcus. And, and you know, it's, it's I, I think back to something that, that, that my mentor, Alan Mulally, said all the time, which is never miss the opportunity of a crisis. And if yeah, you look at what he did line. when he was CEO of Ford, 
during the global financial crisis. Every automaker in the world slammed on the brakes, cut R&D, cut development of new products. And the same day that he made the heroic decision to withdraw a request for a government bailout, his CFO, as we've talked about on the show before, came and said, that's great. I understand why you want to do this, but you know, this means we got to stop developing all these new cars and trucks that you want to build and all that stuff because we got to conserve cash. And his point was like, no, no, we don't. We need to keep our foot on the gas because this is an opportunity. Everyone around us is slamming on the brakes and we've been behind for decades. This is how we get back into the forefront. I mean, this is yeah. this is this is car racing one hundred and one here. How do you Absolutely. how do you get ahead? You break late into the corner. Yeah, you know, and that that's that's a risky move. That takes a you know a certain amount of intestinal fortitude. But that's what leaders need to be doing right now. Is you, you said it. to your point. I want to jump yeah. on a phrase you said. You said that's a risky move. You're damn right it is, and that's what's needed. What's what I'm I'm frustrated by this. I'm seeing more risk aversion. Right. And what we need, everyone talks risk management. I'm not seeing any risk management. I'm seeing risk aversion. Right. And what people are missing is in times of crisis, if you don't accept risk, recognize it, and then manage it in a way you need to do, if you go risk averse by thinking you're avoiding the problem or thinking you're slowing down to be safe, you're not. Something's going to hit you even harder or you're going to be left so far behind the drag curve as proven in Malali's case with Ford that you're out of the game. So again, a piece of advice, look for those opportunities, but manage your risks. Don't avoid them or be averse to them. Use the tools, use the techniques, use your people to think critically about these things that are out there and how we can maximize them rather than just go heads down and into the ostrich effect mode, basically. It's such an important point, Marcus, because you know one of the things that I, ha- that I always have to guard against when we're explaining red team thinking to people is because a a lot of the tools and techniques that we teach decision makers, that we teach leaders are designed to help them identify risks and figure out what could go wrong with their plans and strategies. Sometimes people make the mistake of thinking that what what we're saying is you shouldn't do risky things. That if you identify, oh, here's how your plan could fail. Well, that means we shouldn't do this plan then. No, not at all. Absolutely not. The whole point of identifying potential threats, of identifying risks, is then you can come up with ways of dealing with them. You can modify your plans. You can modify your strategies so that they're resilient, so that they have optionality baked into them, so so that you know what could go wrong and you're ready if it does. Because again, it goes back to, to what, you know, again, what Alan said, keeping your foot on the gas. I don't mean keeping your foot on the gas as you pl- as you drive off a cliff. Yeah. I mean, as you're going forward with your organization, whether it be a business, whether you're in the military, whether it's a government agency, freezing up and waiting for, you know, the crisis to pass is not an option anymore. No. Because as we just talked about, it's not one thing. It's a cascading series of things, each of which is going to topple additional dominoes. So the companies that are going to be successful, the organizations that are going to be successful, and the individuals who are going to be successful in this brave new world are the ones that are comfortable with ambiguity, that are unafraid 
to take informed risks, which is what we're trying to help Correct. people do, and who understand that their world is only going to get more complex, more uncertain, more ambiguous, and more volatile. And they're okay with that because they're equipping themselves with the tools and the techniques they need to not just survive, but thrive in yeah, that world. Absolutely. And if you're out there, if you're a leader, if you're a manager, if you're an executive, and you're feeling a bit apprehensive about where you are, that's okay. That's perfectly normal. If you've got potential imposter syndrome, that's okay. The onus isn't on you anymore. You may think it is. That's often a problem with most leaders and managers. It's not on you. You have a team. You have people around you. If you engage with them, if you go and ask them, show a bit of vulnerability and go, hey, guys, let's look ahead for 2023. Have the conversation we've just been having. See people's faces, see people's reactions and ask them, what should we do about this? What could we do about this? What am I missing? What are we not seeing as a company? What opportunities are out there as well as these threats? And believe you me, the engagement and responses you will get from them will be quite unbelievable because they're hungry. They are looking, they're aware, and all, the, all people want is an opportunity to step up, to speak up, and help and make a difference. Given that, I think then you're going to get a great response from them. Well, that's why I'm so excited about what we're doing in 2023, which is launching- What are we doing in 2023, Bryce? Tell our audience. <laughs> we are launching Red Team Coaching as part of an alliance with coaching.com that is going to open up these tools and techniques, Red Team Thinking, to so many more people mm -hmm. and, and, and equip people who, want, who are coaches, who, who work with executives who work with managers, who work with leaders at every level of their organization, equipping coaches with the knowledge, the understanding, the tools and techniques of red team thinking so they can use that to help their clients navigate this complexity and make better decisions in this complex world. So it's, I, I feel like we're, we're building the red team thinking army here and deploying this, this amazing cadre in 2023 to help individuals and organizations deal with this challenge that we've just been talking about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, <clears throat> Santa wears red and white for a reason. This is the capability that people are going to need for 2023. And I think having these coaches, many of whom we've already engaged with, in the positions that they're in, they're in these pivotal positions in organizations. They've got the ear of the senior people who can really make a difference. And I think that's the beauty of this is, using these capabilities, using this mindset shift to help people make a difference. Because as I said, that's what it's people about. want to do. It's what it's all about. It's what we do. It's what we get out of bed every day for is to try and help people make a difference, unleash that inner superhero that we know we've all got and the inner capabilities. But if that's been stymied or suppressed, then everybody loses out. And the whole purpose of it is to get as much people out there thinking differently. As you said, I love that line. We need to reclaim the role of thinker. Because when we think in the right way, critically and observantly, then what we see and what's revealed, it's amazing. We've said this from the first day of the pandemic. The only way out of the crisis that we're in is you're going to have to think your way through it. Yeah. And, and that's what we're, that's, that's the help that we're trying to get people is the help gaining that cognitive capability, gaining those applied critical thinking skills, gaining the group think mitigation techniques and gaining most importantly of all, as you've mentioned, the confidence mm -hmm. 
to, to look at the world as it is with an unflinching gaze and move forward with the confidence that you've got the yeah. tools to navigate it. Yeah, that's it's great stuff. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more about some of the specific challenges that 2023 is going to bring. And hopefully, forearmed is forearmed. Indeed. Hey, folks, Bryce here. If you're listening to this and you're liking what you're hearing and you're wondering, am I a red team thinker? We have an easy way for you to find out. Just go to the show notes, click on the link there to our free assessment to find out if you are a red team thinker and what you can do to think more effectively, to lead more effectively, and to make better decisions faster in your complex world. Like I said, the link is in the show notes, or you can simply go to our website, redteamthinking.com. Check it out. I can't wait to see how you score. Welcome back. Bryce, what do you want to start with for part two? Well, I, I let's start with the war. Yeah. I, I think the war in Ukraine, as it enters its second year, unfortunately, is going to be a major unknown that a lot of organizations are going to have to get their head around and, and learn to deal with the uncertainty that it creates. Because as I, as I said, the ripple effects of this conflict continue to spread wider and wider mm -hmm. around the world. As we've all seen, and, and, and for, for those of you living in Europe know all too well, Putin has learned how to weaponize winter in a way that no one has before. The Russians have always had a propensity to weaponize winter. It worked with Napoleon. It worked with the Nazis. And, and now they're trying to bring it to bear, not on just the military conflict at all, but even more so on civilians, not just mm -hmm. in Ukraine, but civilians in Germany and Poland and the UK, all over Europe to try to break the will of the West to resist this, this invasion. And that's something that we have never seen before at this level. The closest thing that I can think to think of to this is is the is the Arab oil embargo in the early 1970s. You know when 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 the OPEC nations decided to cut off oil to to the United States to punish us uh, for our support of Israel, and I still remember what that was like. I remember you know sitting in, in, in the car with my parents waiting for two hours to to fill up our gas tank every yeah. week and you know stuff like that, but. That has tremendous potential to disrupt a lot of other things besides people's ability to heat their homes and, and, and fuel their, their automobiles. That's going to make the global supply chain problems worse. It's, it's going to continue to, to be a drag on the bottom lines of a lot of businesses, making the economic situation worse. And the inflation and the higher heating costs that we're seeing in, in a lot of the world is going to is going to be a powerful headwind for economic growth and for business growth all over the world. I know. So what would we advise businesses to do in that situation? They've, they've had a year's awareness of this. It's not going away. So what do you think some of these businesses out there across many sectors could just do some basic things to kick off 2023? Well, I think the most important thing is to disabuse yourself of the notion that this is a temporary situation. You just got to get through the next quarter or the next yeah. half to get back to normal market conditions. 
I think that we are entering a period we've got high high interest rates, high energy costs, and a lot of other disruptions that are going to make things very challenging for a lot of people in the in not just in the 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 poor or the working class, but in the middle class and, and even upper middle class too. So you need to factor that into your calculus. And you know, you need it depends on what industry you're in, but you you've got to recognize that people have less disposable income. They've got less tolerance for personal financial risk. Mm-hmm. And that they that they things that have I mean here here's a great example that that I just read. You know, air travel is now becoming a luxury again. Think about that. Since since in this country, at least in the United States, since deregulation in the 1980s, air travel has become something that, that people of even very modest means do without even thinking. Mm-hmm. Go go to see grandma, go to Disney World, hop on a on a cheap flight, you know, and, and fly across country. That's that's something that's becoming out of reach for a lot of people because air travel is becoming more expensive and people's yeah. incomes are going down. So that impacts not just the airlines, but all of the other businesses that are dependent on on that, which there are a lot of and may not be immediately obvious. So you need to just have whatever business in your, you're in. My advice is, is sit down in front of a whiteboard and say, what are all the different ways that this could impact us as a business? What are the different ways that that that, that the war could impact us. The supply chain disruption could impact us. The energy costs could impact us. And the reduced purchasing power of people could impact us. And, 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 and you know, give your team the time that it takes to draw up that list. And, and, and here's an important thing. Don't censor your team as they're doing this. Don't say, oh, that's no, that's never going to happen. Yeah. There's nothing you can say right now is never going to happen. Exactly. Yeah, because... <laughs> We'd have said that a few years ago and boom, it's happened. Yeah, right. so I think you've got some great advice there. You know, sit down, analyze what are the top five, 10 things right now that are happening globally, external to your organization, and just list what the potential impacts are. List what things are going to influence you, how you can influence them. And even if you can't do anything about it, just raising that awareness, just letting, letting your people, letting the organization see that you're looking ahead, seeing that you're planning forewarned is forearmed. And then if and when things do manifest, people have been engaged in that planning, in that conversation. They can go, hey, remember that thing we talked about back in January? Well, I thought we could do this because it might help us with this sector or with this potential impact. And and it's never a, a wasted discussion. That sort of engagement with your teams, with your people, as you said, get some whiteboards, get some post-its, good old engagement with a group of people, big room thinking, rather than big room planning. And what comes out of that, as you said, don't dismiss the crazy stuff because that's often what's going to come and hit you from the side down range that you weren't aware of. And I think it's such a powerful thing to do, and especially in the times we're in, because people like people like to be reassured. Right. And there's nothing more, as we talked about earlier, having the confidence. If you feel reassured and that you're all aligned and all thinking of what's coming and aware of what's coming, then that just that fact alone gives you a step off of confidence that wouldn't be there. And if you've got an organization where everybody's unaware, aren't talking, have all got their own thoughts, you know, we know those can take people to very dark places. And the minute people start to feel like that, you've then got a psychological issue 
amongst your workforce as well as a you know an output issue. Absolutely, absolutely. Great advice. The other thing that I think people need to be thinking about is COVID. The pandemic is still not over. Yep. A lot of people want to believe it is. A lot of people have decided that it is, but you know, because they want it to be. As we're recording this here in California, hospitals are, are as full in Los Angeles as, as they were at the beginning of the pandemic. And obviously, it's not just the, the pandemic now. You've got these other issues. But but the point that, that I want to make is that it, when I say the pandemic isn't over yet, I don't just mean the active spread of COVID. I mean the lingering effect that's been created by the millions of people who now have long COVID. And we're finally starting to see some awareness, at least in the US and the UK, of, of the staggering impact that that's going to have on the workforce and on the economy. Millions of people now, it's it's believed in, in, in both the US and the UK, have long COVID mm-hmm. still. They're dealing with it. And that is creating a huge unanticipated cost for healthcare for that's impacting insurance companies in the US, it's impacting the NHS in the UK. It's also taking people out of the workforce, talented yes. people who were the backbones of, of organizations that they work for in some cases, yep. potentially permanently out of the workforce. That's then reducing the, bo- the, the, the earning power of those households, which is having a follow on effect on the economic situation. Yeah. And I don't think we, I think we're only just beginning to get our heads around the impact that long COVID is going to have on, on our societies. Absolutely. Because again, it's one of those ostrich effects, wasn't it? People said, no, no, it's not. You'll all be fine. Another week, another month, another three months. And then here we are again, you know, two, we're approaching three years since we were together right. in, in March, 2020, three years nearly. And People are still in bed. People are still suffering with this. And as you said, it's not gone away either. So what's the impact of those who are still getting, you know, the pandemic virus? And, you know, a lot of, because we, because our brains feel more comfortable when we have analogies and we have patterns that make sense to us, we understandably try to look, those of us who at least try to think our way through this tend to look at past past examples. And a lot of us have looked at the Spanish flu pandemic back at mm-hmm. the beginning of the 20th century as an analog for this. And in a lot of ways, it has, you know, it has matched that to some degree in terms of how the second year was first and worse than the first year, which, which happened during the Spanish flu. And a lot of people predicted based on that. But here's where that model starts to really break down. There was not long Spanish flu, <laughs> at least as far as I, I, I've heard of. Yeah. And, and A, because people were more willing to, to do what, what, what policymakers asked of them to do, and policymakers were less uh, equivocal than they've been in most countries, you know, the pandemic pretty much ended after the third year. And a lot of people died, but those people who survived more or less went on with their lives and put it behind mm-hmm. them. That's not happening yeah. here. A, the pandemic is continuing to spread, the virus is continuing to mutate, but also you've got legions of people who are still dealing with this. And that's something that we've not experienced before. No, I know. I know. Hugely impactful. So that's the war. Supply chain. That's the war. That's COVID. Money. COVID. What's AI? 
going to say. Outside of this, AI. This has Which, been a big talking point, hasn't it? Back in it the has. last year. You know, I wrote a piece uh, for Forbes at the beginning, end of November, beginning of December, about, about uh, chat GPT when it launched. Yeah, open The AI. week it launched, I wrote a piece on that. And I talked about how many different jobs, businesses, industries is just that dis- going to disrupt all, mm-hmm. already. Yeah. And, you know, with the launch of ChatGPT chat at, at the end of November of last year, AI in many ways went from being something that was theoretical and on the horizon to something that was yeah. existential and had to be dealt with. So you've already got teachers all over the world struggling to, to figure out whether their students' homework was produced by them mm-hmm. or by by a chatbot. Yeah. You've already got people who are producing magazines, e-zines, content that is being entirely generated by AI. Mm-hmm. You've already got people who are using it for marketing. You've already got people who are using it to write code. And, and if you're a coder, if you're a marketer, if you're a copywriter, if you're a teacher, you know, it's already happened. This is not right. something that you're going to have yeah. to deal with. It's no something that you're dealing here. with, it's whether happening. you're aware of it or not. Yeah. And that has huge implications. You know, I, I, as I mentioned in that piece, a very senior, very experienced marketing expert estimated that that uh, OpenAI's chatbot could do the job of a market entry-level marketer, not an intern, entry-level marketer mm-hmm. with one to two years of experience getting paid $50,000 a year. Yeah. There's a lot of people that, that describes. Absolutely. And if those people haven't already lost their jobs because of this, they likely will yeah. in, 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 the, in the coming period unless they figure out how to adapt to it. But, you know, that creates its own challenges because, as, as you know, I, my wife proofreads my articles and uh, uh, she was an English major, so she, she's good at finding my mistakes. And, and when she read that article before I submitted it, her reaction was, well, how are you ever going to get experienced marketers? if all those entry-level positions are eliminated by AI. That's what we were saying earlier. There's always a domino effect of these things. And if you don't consider the first, second, third, fourth order effects of what you think is great first order, then you may get caught out fourth topple-down range totally unawares because of these things that people aren't considering. And that's where people really have to start looking beyond what initially happens with these great, you know, again, don't get seduced by the technology. Exactly, because there will be a lot of people who say, that's great. I'm just going to fire all of my entry-level copywriters. I've already seen it on LinkedIn. The, the frenzy before Christmas, Yeah, we talked about it, and then within two days of us talking about it and your article coming out, I started to see it constantly. Every day there were multiple articles that go, hey, yeah. this following article, I didn't write it. It was all done by ChatGTP. Here's what I put in. Have a read, see what you think. And people are going, this is going to increase my you know, turnover by not employing XYZ people. It's happening, but then what are the where where's where's the people where's the talent that is going to be needed beyond that level that they that AI isn't able to replace Correct. going to so come we'll, from if they don't go about. through those apprenticeships yeah. if they don't go through those lower level things. Yeah. Now on a positive front, my wife also used to be a teacher, and her reaction to me raising the the challenge for teachers was this is a good thing. Mm-hmm. She said because think about it, homework as we've traditionally understood it in, in, in the West for, for primary and secondary school 
is really busy work. Mm-hmm. It's designed to exactly. socialize so you to yeah. doing a job, finishing a task. It's not really about learning. Yeah. So she said, flip it on its head. On its head. A good teacher will tell, tell their students, tomorrow we're studying the fall of Rome. Do your own research. Knock, knock yourself out. Correct. Talk to your AI about how Rome fell. Yeah. Because tomorrow in class, we're going to discuss it. Yeah. And in class, you're going Correct. to write an essay yeah. about this. Yeah. So then it doesn't all matter the access it, you need. Exactly. And that's a great yeah. resource then, isn't it? They're not scrabbling around wasting time Googling and trying to collect. Exactly. They can use these capabilities and then extract from that what they need and deliver it as their own understanding and they've learned because it's not it's not stuff they've made up is it you've got to learn these things and it's there now that they can go and convey that back to their class and help each other and that's the power of ais is that mm-hmm. is, is is that they they are great at scouring the universe of data and synthesizing that data and presenting it in a meaningful way so if you use it in that way as a student it's like having a private tutor correct can sit there and say, I don't understand this. And because it's a threaded conversation, the AI says, well, you know, this, this, and this. Yeah. Well, tell me more about this. And then, you know, you can have, it's like having a private tutor. Yeah, exactly. But to teachers are going to have to rethink what they do. And they're going to have to become comfortable with the ambiguity, just like everybody else, and figure out how to, how to turn that into a positive. Yeah. Many of them will, will not be willing to do that. Many of them will decide that's too much heavy lifting. And so, again, every challenge is an opportunity because the good mm-hmm. ones will say, spot on, this is great. I'm going to redo my class. Yeah. I'm going to let, tell kids, go to the AI and, and have a chat with it. Yeah. Make sure you double check their stuff in case it's wrong. But, yeah, but in class, we're going to think and we're going to learn using what you've picked up from that. So it goes back to, isn't it, analyzing the risk that this thing brings, but then looking where the opportunities are. And then how do you pivot? How do you adapt? That's the key here. We're going through these fraught times and we've seen it the last three years and 2023 is going to be different. In these types of environments, world crises, we have to be adaptive. And yes. if you're not open to adapting, if you're going to hunker down and keep staying, I'll stay this way. It's always, always the way I've done it. It's worked before. It's not going to. So you've got to be open to this adaptation. You've got to be open to seeing things differently thinking differently and as well as considering the risks you've got to look for these opportunities because they're the things that are going to elevate you and others around you and your pupils if you're a teacher to do great things which is what it's all about excellent advice and on that bombshell happy 2023 people good luck keep asking the tough questions thank you for tuning in to the thinking leader Check the show notes for more information about the topics covered in this episode. There, you'll also find a link to our free assessment. Click on it right now to find out if you are a red team thinker with a red team culture.